Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Praise the Lord. You know, we've been, we're on a series just now talking about um, the uh, foundations for a strong local church. And uh, last week we spoke about the power of a quiet time. So don't put your hand up, but if you have had quiet time this week, then thank you for carving out time to do that. And um, I'm so thankful for quiet time will be a huge benefit to you. Amen. Quiet time will make sure that, that we're not deceived that we're not deluded. How many, how many of you know sometimes we can be delusional? We think something about ourselves or about a situation, and it's not really the way it is. But quiet time helps us um, or to engage with God's Spirit, and we can sort those things out. So that devotion prevents any deception, delusion, discombobulation, whatever. So... Keep those, keep your quiet time up, amen? You'll, you'll have access to great wisdom through having quiet time. You'll have access to strength. You'll have access to th- those things that you need to fill your tank up on a daily basis, amen? Amen. And so, you know, we're talking about the local church. And, you know, the word church is not a word that's littered throughout Scripture. You only begin to see the word church mentioned in the New Testament. And um, when we look at the word church in Scripture and we look at its deeper meaning um, in, in the Greek language, we see that the word ecclesia is used to describe the church. And um, this word ecclesia kind of really means that we've been called out. We've been called out of something to form an assembly of people. And so... I believe that it's like God has called us out of the world to be a congregation, an assembly, his church. Amen. He's called us out of the world to do that. And so I, I sometimes like to think that when Jesus called you, he's kind of like he's summoned his church and he calls people out of their homes into public places. You know, you can stay in your house from now until kingdom come. That's not God's will for us to remain in in our houses. There might be a double meaning in this this morning for those that are maybe still thinking about returning to church. The ecclesia means the called out ones. Jesus is calling you out of your home into a public place. Where do we where 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 did these where was the blind man healed and the lame man healed? In public places. These healings took place in public. And we need to remember that we're being called out of our homes into public. So and that's why I feel so strongly as well about we know Linda and I were looking at certain articles this week. We try and stay abreast of things that are going on. And we know the coming persecution on the church. 
And I don't think it's very far away. And we have to begin to um, maneuver the church into a place where we are confident in being out as an assembly of people in public. Amen? Amen. And so we can do that, and we do it under one banner. It's not just the Bridge Church meeting. It's the church meeting under the banner of Jehovah Nisi, which actually means the Lord is our banner. Amen? And so, you know, we are, we are this ecclesia. We belong to the Lord. One of the other names that is derivative of that is Kyriakos, which means belonging to the Lord. And so we belong to him, amen? And so praise God for that. This is what this series is looking at, making us a strong body of believers and making you strong individuals, amen? And so we're looking at the principles, the patterns, and the practices that produce strong local churches. And I grew up in church from 12. Actually, I was in church before that. I actually went to a convent. I was in school in a convent, and then they kicked the boys out when they got to 12 years old. Pretty good wisdom, that, for sure. They, and so, so I had another, another church background before knowing Jesus. And so, and I want to say that, that churches, thank God for pastors and churches and leaders and, and servants in churches everywhere, but not all churches are strong because other factors manage to come into the local body to bring division and to, to bring, to spoil, okay? The devil's mandate is to spoil. He's a spoiler, all right? And so we want the church, at least I do, to be successful, but not in the way that the world defines success, amen? Because the world defines it differently. I def define it this way, that success in a kingdom sense is to have an advantage that leads to a prosperous outcome. You'll give us an advantage that leads to a prosperous outcome. All things work together to the good of those who love him. Amen? And so we have this advantage, and we're going to be looking at things over the next few weeks about the way this church is established. Amen? This is churches that, that, that endure are not man's idea, they're God's idea. Amen. Yeah. You know, I've had plenty of good ideas and they lasted five minutes until I got fed up and or like the pushback was too strong. So when God establishes something, it's a totally different thing. God establishes something. He says, this is the time. This is the place. Amen. And this is the purpose. Time, place, and purpose. And then he brings, then he brings, um, Charlene, and he says, this is your time, your place, and your purpose. Here you are, I'm putting you with these people. That applies to anyone here this morning. He brings you and he puts you, he, he engrafts you into a local church. Amen? And I would, I would encourage you, wherever you go, wherever you are, be a part of the local church. Amen? And, the, and, and then, we, then the local church is able to network hopefully more and more, and it becomes one under the banner of Jesus Christ. Amen? So praying, fasting, devotions, communion, being together and sharing, meeting needs, discipling, 
serving and sending or mending and sending. We went into a church in, in, uh, in Kenya one time, and on the, the wall was reach one, teach one, mend one, send one, um, some, and something else. And I thought, that is, that is amazing. Mend one and send one. So we are engrafted into a local body, equipped here as believers, and then we're launched like, like the human cannonball. You don't... You, Let's see how far we can launch you out into the world to go and do something for the gospel. Amen. The other thing we're going to be looking at is worship. And I cannot stress enough that this is going to be the, 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 the power in the church is going to be worship. Prayer and worship. Worship. And so we thank God that, you know, as we begin to look at these things that we are going to be able to evidence miracles and that the people in the local area, just like in the book of Acts, will be able to look on in wonder and amazement at what is happening. Oh, man, did you hear about Senga? Oh, it's amazing, you know, or whatever. Amen? So that's what we're looking at because people are going to come against the church they're going to come against God's Word. And God's Word is Logos. Amen? He says He places His Word even above His name. And people will come against the preaching and teaching of God's Word because God's Word is the revelation of who He is. It's the express personality and character of God is in the Logos. And we rely on the Rhema Word to, for that revelation of who God is and what he wants us to do, amen? And so, you know, we sing a song here, uh, Good, Good Father. Well, I believe that the disciples could have told a story, a thousand stories of what they thought Jesus was like, amen? Like the song we sing. But the news that they were tasked with spreading wasn't a thousand stories, it was just one. The resurrection of Jesus. That was what they were tasked to spread. And that news was as unbelievable as anyone could ever hope to hear. Because you give me, you know, you, you send me out on a mission. Can you please go and say that we are having a party here on Friday night? Nay bother. We're having a party. Oh, great, I'll be there. But you send me out on a mission to say, I know a man who was put to death on a cross but then he came to life again. He was resurrected from the dead. Unbelievable. And that's what the apostles had to go out, and that's what they had to, to tell people. Amen? You know, we, I don't know if anyone does this. Do you ever say to people, here, 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 let me tell you this, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> you wonder why people actually listen to you. <laughs> what, why are we wasting our time? You told me I'm not going to believe this. He says, let me tell you this because you're not going to believe this. One day someone's going to turn around and say, well, what's the point then? Tell me something that I can believe in. Amen? So they're tasked with spreading the gospel that Jesus has risen. Now, Jesus, a man, I think in that time most folks would have heard about Jesus. Amen? He's been resurrected from the dead, and we know him, we knew him, and we've seen him. Amen? That news, church, was not universally popular 
and it still isn't today. Not back then and not today. And if you look in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, There now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Look on their threats. So these, these guys were receiving threats. And so people, whoever they might be, they're going to be greatly disturbed as we retell the story of the cross and the grave. But if we will not change these words, then we, just like Peter, will be able to stand there filled, full of the Holy Spirit and with boldness, and we'll be able to speak to people who we think are far more intelligent and greater than us because then the, and the word says that the, the, uh, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the church leaders, they perceived that these were untrained men. You guys, you guys ought not to have this level of ability. Where's the ability come from? They were anointed. They had, just, they had been anointed you guys, how do you know all of this? You're in the, you're in the synagogue preaching, yet you're just, you're fishermen, and you're this and you're that. Never let anyone tell you you can't do anything. Amen. Amen. And so, but here's the thing. The thing that they could not resist, all of these great people, was when they, when they rolled out the evidence of what Jesus had done and what the name of Jesus can accomplish. Amen. What is that to you? A miraculous healing? A miracle baby? Amen? A miraculous escape? An 11th hour, 59th minute, 59th second breakthrough? The complete restoration of something that looked beyond broken? Something that was totally broken? Uh, that's, that's we cannot fix that. It's unable to be fixed. Turn around, a miracle. What does that give us? It gives us evidence. Gives us the ability to witness. So take heart, um, church. Many people will, will believe, but many will not believe. But don't hold anything back. Amen? And the title of this message today is Holding Nothing Back. Keep on witnessing, speaking, teaching, preaching, encouraging, and being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? And that's what the local church is called to do, to stand together, steadfast. We used that word last week, steadfast in the Word, believing it with all of our hearts, confessing it with our mouths, hallelujah, and to put, and to by faith put forward the evidence of God's greatness by way of the change in our lives. The change that's been brought about by giving our lives to him. And how do we do that? How do we give evidence? How do we bear witness? Well, it's to be ready in every season to bear witness of his goodness, to have a testimony of his goodness. Amen. Would you say this morning that every step of the way, God has been good to you? I know, I, I know sometimes I would say, you know, sometimes I doubted it. Sometimes I didn't feel the goodness of God. But really, every step of the way, he has been good. His grace, his, his great grace has really helped us to get move on. Amen. 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 
Every step of the way, he is good. But what we present to people as a church, it must be undeniable. We can't make stuff up. We can't fabricate stuff to make God look good. We actually have to believe for miracles. And when we believe for miracles, we'll be able to show, we'll be able to say, or they will be able to say, I once was mute, but now I can speak. I once was deaf, but now I can hear. Not making anything up. And this is what we need to do. I'm urging you, I'm urging us to pray for miracles, undeniable, God-manifested miracles, miracles that will cause people to rejoice and come to the knowledge of the one who is the miracle worker. Because we, silver and gold have I none, said he, but such as I have, I give unto you. I can do nothing for you, but I know someone who can. I, there's nothing I can do to help you. You can come to me with the most broken life situation and I'll probably be like, to be honest, I might even be afraid. Oh my gosh. But I know someone that has an answer. I know someone who's got a solution for the problem. And see, see if you will trust, trust in what I tell you and trust in him. Let him in. He can fix this. Amen? He can. He can do that. Amen? So, the last thing we, we need to not do is bring the church into disrepute. Bring the name of Jesus into disrepute. So we have to rely on God. We have to rely on him for, for, for divine miracles and signs and wonders. And I want you to go to Acts chapter 4 from verse 29. And it says there, this is in the New King James Version, and most of the time, if I don't say it's anything else, it will be the New King James Version. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Then they went on. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement, he was a Levite, of the country of Cyprus. And having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we've just read this here in Acts 5. Go on, you read about an unfortunate couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And they sold a possession of theirs and they withheld, they held back some of the profit from the sale of the possession. Now, 
I, I think there may be slightly different interpretations. I think maybe Ananias conceived the plan, but Sapphira went along with the deal, you know. She was definitely aware of it. And so Peter says to them when uh, Ananias comes in, why, uh, why, why did you do this? You had nothing to lose. You know, it's, um, before, it's like Deja said this morning, be, before you came here, this was in your possession, it was yours. After this, you're still going to have, you know, whatever titles or possessions and stuff like that, okay? But someone has filled your heart or motivated your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, but don't you realize that you've lied to God and not to men? You lied to God and not to men. And we know that this encounter ended the life of that couple. Ananias first, and then a little while later, Sapphira came in. But what was the effect of this? The effect of this was it brought great fear upon the whole church. And remember, this is now the genesis of the New Testament church. And here is this incident that brings great fear upon the church. Amen. And so this awful situation was able to bring the church at that time to the realization that impurity would not go unnoticed. Reverence for the spirit of the church could actually be a life or death matter, okay? But, you know, it also served to strengthen the church, and to grow the church, because what it did is it, it let the believers become closer and cleave together more. Amen? They clung together. They cleaved together more. So there was this, this reverence. And the reverential fear of the Lord, I don't believe, is a, is a, it's an awe of the Lord. It's not like a knee-knocking, trembling, um, stressed-out fear. Well, you might feel that way if you know you're, 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 uh, um, ig you know you're ignoring his will, you know, but it's a reverential fear of the Lord. So this couple held something back, all right? They held something back. And you know what? There's a many things that we can be convicted of as Christians. Lack of prayer, lack of reverence, lackluster worship, um, lackluster devotions, but all of these things have something in common, holding back. They all have this thing in common, holding back. And ironically, when we enjoy the blessings of God, it's those very blessings that can foul us up. And so here's, here's um, Ananias and Sapphira finding this out in a tragic way. You know, sooner or later, church, we're all going to be faced with the decision to part with something. I don't know about you, but the first hurdle for most people is to give this away, give their heart away. Sooner or later, something is going to be required of us. Amen. We are blessed to be a blessing, but sometimes the surrender of that seems much harder than it needs to be. How, how many of you know you can hold your seed, in your, your seed in your hands but be torn about letting it go? 
holding back nothing. And you know what? Satan was right there at the very beginning of the first, the early New Testament church. And he's there to spoil good beginnings. He's there to ruin Genesis moments. He's there to spoil the good intentions that you have. But you know, a beginning, any beginning, any foundation, any Genesis is, not, is nowhere near an ending. It's a beginning. It has a process and a road to go down. Amen? And that's why I believe we have this account in Acts, right at the Genesis of the New Testament church. And right before Ananias and Sapphira, you see this at the very end, it talks about Barnabas. He did the same thing. He, he sold lands and possessions, and he came and he laid it at the feet of um, the apostles. Amen. He got a special mention in the word because of his self-sacrifice. Because sometimes I'm like, well, why, did, why is that there? But he got a special mention, Barnabas did. Amen. And then we go straight into chapter 5, who, where we see Ananias who thinks, perhaps I can do the same thing and get the same result without it costing just as much. And that was the motivation for him and his wife to sell their land, but it was counteracted by the temptation to withhold something, to hold something back. They ended up trying to serve God and, the Bible says, mammon. They ended up trying to serve God and money. They wanted, perhaps, to gain the reputation that Barnabas had, the reputation of a saint, saintly person, a good person, without having made the sacrifice of the holiness and the purity that was required, the heart, like Deja said. It's the heart. It's the heart. So we've got to remember that it's not only Christ that stands at the door and knocks. Sometimes there's another, there's an adversary who also stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. And we can open the door and let him in as well. Yeah? If any man opens the door to him, he'll come in. Amen. Sapphira came later on after Ananias, and I believe she had the time to confess. I believe she, she had a, an opportunity, a moment where she could have said, I want to I I come clean. I want to tell the truth. I believe there was mercy there for that at that particular time. But she held back like her husband did. She stayed loyal to the thing that they had agreed upon. And she also fell dead right there. And sometimes we've, we think that we are doing an honorable thing, but you can have honor rooted in dishonor. You know, that would be like Linda standing, stand by your man. You know, but maybe I'm like, you shouldn't be standing by me here. I know I'm your husband and you're standing with me because you're loyal to me. But it's like, no. You know, loyalty rooted in, in disloyalty, honor rooted in dishonor has got a bad ending. Amen? So, praise God. I'm urging us as a local church to hold nothing back. And I'm talking about that in the arena of everything we do as a church. Consecration, devotion, giving service, prayer, 
worship, hold nothing back. Amen. Remain dedicated. You know, dedication is one thing, but consecration is another. Dedication is, is keeping something up for a long period of time. I'm going to give this my best effort for as long as I can. But consecration is surrendering everything, giving everything up, holding nothing back, and putting in everything that it takes to see the purpose that God's given you in your life to be fulfilled. Amen? Whatever that is, whether it's your commitment, your time, your talent, your connections, you know, so many of us are, are well-connected. We're so well-connected. And I believe that I think about Jesus hanging out with all of the other guys down, down in the taverna. He's, he's making all these connections with, with people, the people that were unbelievers, but he's there, he's with them. And we circulate in public all the time, choosing to stay isolated when we should be connecting all the time. Connect, connect, connect. And, and I think most, most of the time people want a connection. And you see, see if you give people half an hour to tell you all about themselves, you'll have a friend. Because we want to connect and, connect and offload everything in 10 minutes. No, 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 no. Connect and listen. Connect and be quiet. Connect and listen to what people have to say. Amen? So be devoted and committed to something without holding anything back. Philippians 1.21 says, To live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? I heard a story once, it's maybe not, it's maybe not, uh, it's maybe form a grim picture in your mind. In Africa, a lady evangelist was traveling from village to village, spreading the gospel. Uh, she got to one place and she was warned about going on to her next village because there were lions in the area. So, they wondered what was going to happen. And an old man of the tribe, he stepped forward. He says, I'm, I'm going to offer to go out ahead of you because the lions will, will not feel like feeding if they're not hungry. So this old man went ahead so that she could have safe passage. So he consecrated himself to making a way so for someone else to get through. That's consecration. Amen? And in the early church, consecration was widespread. But what about now in 2021? What are we willing to give? It's like when, um, oh, Lord, what must I do to follow you? Well, you can give up lands, titles, inheritance. How about giving up your family? How about giving up your wealth? How about, how about losing your reputation? How about that? And so these early believers in, the, in Acts, they give us a lot of hope. When we look at the, what they did, the patterns that they had of moving with one another and the way they cooperated together, they were in unity and they held nothing back. They shared, they shared what they had. Amen. And um, 
You know, some people think that that's socialist or communist or something, you know? Sell all you have, bring it here, we'll all share it. It's a communist ideal. And people draw their own conclusions, but far from it, they had freedom and liberty in that because it wasn't so much, oh, this is what we must do and share. The, the focus was on there will be no lack. That was the main focus. There's not going to be lack. There was no, you know, your individual right to possession and what you had was not taken away. And that's where God's grace is so amazing. God doesn't ask us to give everything. He doesn't ask us to give everything. But he asks us to show by the attitude of our hearts that self-centeredness gives way to unity and brotherly love. And yeah, I will share. I will make sure that you have no lack. Amen? And this is, this is what was going on here. The believers began to understand what they had. They had all of this by God's grace, and they'd been entrusted with it for purposes greater than themselves. And all that was happening here was they were getting into this culture of holding nothing back. Amen? And to finish this message off this morning, if you didn't know already, and whether you believe this or not, the world system is going to move to an even greater extreme of the haves and the have-nots. Amen. The abolition of the right to own anything, the right to ownership, through a system designed to um, control the lives of people to the extreme, will be enforced in the future. And I know people will be saying, you're one of these guys that are conspiracy guy. No. I read God's word. Pray. Read his word. It tells you what's going to happen. It tells you what's going to happen. But this is going to be enforced. So the church has to learn to live 100% holy by the principles and the precepts of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we should study the early church and study its ways as we repeat them in fresh new ways today. Amen. So God is not, he's asking for our all to hold nothing back yet he doesn't take everything. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't take it all, but he asks you to be consecrated and devoted to him. And he says, see, if you do that, you'll truly lack nothing. You won't lack anything. If you give up lands, if you give up fat, if you do all this, I remember one time my, my, my dad's spiritual father, Pastor B.B. Hankins, who's long time with the Lord. One time, every year my dad would go and would, would spend time with Pastor B.B. And one time he said, I remember him saying, Pastor B.B., if you had to, would you give up your family to keep on doing what you are doing here with the church and the work of the gospel? And um, Pastor B.B. didn't hesitate for too long. He said, yes, yes, I would. And I think that's one of those mentoring moments where you just get the, you know, this is real. This is real. There are people that are willing to hold 
withhold nothing. And I believe that God's calling us this morning as a local church to come out of ourselves, not to withhold anymore, to give our all in our worship, to pray and have quiet time and to trust Him to do miracles that are going to shake this area. <laughs> Amen. Do you believe it? Do, do you believe it? Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.